Hey, BA fam, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Wake me up before you go, go. I bet y'all weren't expecting it. Uh, I was asking for it. I was like, ready to go, go? I know. That's totally Mandy's fault. Before we started recording, she said, are you ready to go, go? And I was like, oh, snap. She started something now. Hey, BA. I hope you guys are listening and enjoying. We're back. Like. We all have. I used to be like so into like in high school. I was so into Garth Brooks. Like, um, he's like a country music star. Is he like the one country music star that like black people can love? I feel like Garth Brooks is universal. Is he? I don't know, but I just really like Garth because my sister liked it, and I was just like totally into Garth Brooks, and I was like, yeah. (laughs) This weather is gorgeous. Yes, it is. Honestly, and that was actually going to bring me my brown boost well don't give it I away know. i know but we're here now it's too early it's too early save it save it i yeah, got I lost i got so lost on the trains today thank you new york city subway system i appreciate that but i almost didn't mind because it was so gorgeous outside right where were you going well i was on my way so my couple of my good friends had a fundraiser for hillary you okay. know whichever your political beliefs are um we had a, they had a little fundraiser it was like it was cute they they made crepes and it was like a brunch mimosas thing and you know you, you everyone kind of kind of donated to the Hillary Clinton campaign um and it, it was fun because I haven't really had a chance to get super political so far in the season I've sort of been watching and like shaking my head and like just feeling the pain of what's whatever's happening on the Republican side and it hasn't really I haven't really had time to like think about um you know my whole thought process so far has been like just vote for anybody on the Democratic right. ticket, just anybody, <laughs> yeah, Bernie, Hillary, a sock puppet, Big Bird, right. whoever, Some, like somebody's new <laughs> newborn puppy, whoever. Yeah, but it was nice. I mean, how many chances do you get to sit around like just with with your girlfriends? And there are some guys there too, and 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 talk about politics and the election. It was it was kind of nice and it was fun. So. I did. Um, yesterday I got a I got an award from. You. Have you ever heard of Jack and Jill? The the bar. No, Jack and Jill of America. It's like a, um, uh, I guess it's a social club, I guess. But the purpose of Jack and Jill of America is just to promote strong black families, I think. Oh, yeah. Okay. You got Very, an award? Yeah. I know. Honestly, it was really weird. Not weird, but in a good way because, you know, it was nice to be honored. Um, but it's like such a... I mean, if anybody knows me, I'm so silly. And it was so, everyone there was so refined and so, my husband works at Goldman Sachs, you know? 
And so it was weird that I was like, do they know who they gave the award to? Did <laughs> you feel a little bit of an imposter syndrome coming on? I, I can't. I was like, uh. And how did you overcome it? <laughs> Honestly, you know what I love? Because at first, when you first came in, it was very, very much like the who's who of black, of black society. You could tell they do like cotillions and stuff like that, you know? And then they had this amazing band. And when that woman sang like old school, like black hits, the dance floor let me know, oh, no, no, <laughs> we're dealing with folk. <laughs> so it was so fun to see, like, you know, it go from the cocktail hour where everybody was like, because it, the um, the name of the event was called Brims and Bowties. So you had to wear, like, big hats and all the men, men wore bow ties. So it was very fancy. But then the, the music came on and they got on that dance floor like it was 1985. <laughs> and I was like, look at my folks, no matter what. You could be the CEO of Goldman Sachs and you over here twerking on a dance floor. <laughs> so it was fun. So much fun, honestly. Of I you know, I go to a lot of like, you know, award dinners and whatever. Not the not necessarily for me, oh, but yeah, for me friends. too, all the time. You know, and so most of the time tired I'm, of them. Ugh, exactly. <laughs> but honestly, this one was really good. It was mostly dancing. They they honored three people, me. Uh, a gentleman, I forget his name, but he's the president of uh, the Black Chamber of Commerce and Alfred Edmonds. He is the oh, senior Black vice president. Yeah, Black Enterprise, yep, the three of us. And and we just, it was just every, we each had like five minute speeches and it was just dancing, basically. So it was actually really fun. And I just want to thank Jack and Jill of America, the Central New Jersey chapter, for the award, for the dancing, and for the yummy food. Hey, congratulations. Danka. Let's, let's talk about some craziness happening in the news this week. Where I'm, I'm just, I was, I was going between two different headlines that I, that I noticed. One of them was Scarlett Johansson is playing a Japanese anime character in a movie. Her and Tilda Swinton, two white women, are playing Japanese characters in this new anime movie, and people are losing their minds. And then the second one is Kobe. Kobe's uh, Kobe Bryant retired this week. And, um, you know, of course, he has a long, illustrious career in basketball, but people sort of drudged up from the 90s, or when was this, 2000s, his uh, sex scandal. So which of those two shall we dive into um i'm curious about this scarlett johansson so is she so is it is it is, is she just the voice of the character or is it like no a- no, no she is the character they have a, there's a photo of her and i'm not familiar with this particular japanese movie this anime and you know all anime is is a is a mostly is japanese but i'm not familiar with this this anime but she's playing a character and the photo that I've seen, what they did is they released um, screenshots from the the movie, and she has the same haircut as a character, and she sort of looks like the character, but she's not Japanese. And people are sort of like, why would you go out of your way to cast her? And then there was there was a story that there was a rumor that the um, whatever studio was financing the film had had like experimented with CGI to make her look more Japanese. Which mm. is not so, okay. It's is, called, it, is the cat? Go ahead. Oh, it's called Ghost in the Shell. I wonder because I was gonna say I know I like I've seen some of these um these anime characters and it I don't I'm like are they like is the anime character itself Japanese because sometimes it doesn't seem like the character itself um is Japanese because they'll have like yeah. I don't know, not to say Japanese you know so I'm always That's confused like wait 
Yeah. I don't know so much of it. This has been written. I'm sure it's been written about or talked about. But yeah, I mean, I used to be a huge fan of Sailor Moon. I mean, you. Yes. Okay, real talk. I still am. Like, (laughs) I love Sailor Moon. I was obsessed. But all, I mean, the main character is blonde and blue eyed, and they all have huge round eyes. And I haven't, I don't think any of the characters in the whole show, I think only the evil characters, when I think back to it, that evil characters had, uh, like, um, not the huge eyes, but like more almond shaped eyes. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't know what, I don't know what is, why. I don't know why anime characters sort of lean that way, but there's all these like cultural um, stereotypes about in Asian culture and all these sort of, I think the same way that you have the light skin debate, um, European beauty standards in the black culture. I think, I mean, the, the most popular surgery, the, the most common surgery now, or, or becoming the most common surgery is like eyelid surgery for. Yeah people of Asian descent who want to make their eyes look rounder and more American. And, uh, I mean, maybe the studio thought, oh, well, she has big eyes in the anime, so we'll just make her American. Yeah. But, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to Google, I'm going to hit the Googles and see what it'd be about. I, I, you know, it's, it's the same thing happened with Emma, Emma, um, Stone in that, Mm -hmm. that movie about Hawaii. I don't ever watched it, but she played like a Hawaiian, princess right no not a princess oh. <laughs> no I think, she was, I think she was in the military or the air force oh, my bad <laughs> but good guess <laughs> you just threw something movie... no there was a movie about a hawaiian princess and i thought that's what it that's what um, it was i just <laughs> oh i'm excited about that though that's the rock the rock is doing that it's like a pixar movie i think with the first hawaiian princess or something like that there's still royalty in hawaii did you know that yeah, I think I because I had watched I had watched like a documentary of like a, a Hawaiian princess or queen or something like that. It was really interesting. I thought maybe they were doing a big movie on it. There was a Hawaiian dynasty. I don't know. Whatever. I'm not so okay. Fine. Forgive me. I'm not a Hawaiian royalty expert. But yeah, so Emma Stone was cast in this movie, and she's supposed to be like one quarter Asian, and she's clearly not. I just don't see why Hollywood continues to think they can like get away with this. Um, and that they won't get dragged for it. Yeah. Why they not, don't care. Why not just go find a Japanese actress? I mean, I see why. That, I mean, Scarlett Johansson is fucking beautiful, like gorgeous, mm-hmm. hot, sexy, huge fan base. So why not put her in a movie? But I don't know what the rest of the cast looks like, but they could have done a better job probably representing the actual they characters. Clearly, they clearly didn't see that movie. Remember the movie? I think it was Christian Bale. Didn't he play like... Uh, Moses. What oh, was that movie God. that totally bombed? I think it was called like wasn't it called Moses? Yeah, well whatever. I know what it you're totally bombed. <laughs> yeah, people were like, Oh, so we refuse. We're not gonna go see it and it bombed. So maybe oh. that's what needs to be done. Exodus, that movies like this. And kings. Yes. If just don't go and then they'll they'll learn today because money makes the world go round. So if movies like that don't get supported with your dollars, they'll stop making them. That's why I spent my money on Big Fat Greek Wedding too. Although I knew it was going to be a terrible movie, and it was a bad movie, but <laughs> I went anyway because it had a female lead, and she's Greek, and I love her, and I went anyway. It was fine. You just had to like lower your expectations a little bit. <laughs> and so, any other buzzworthies? Kobe, Kobe. Let's. I would I, just a quick word on Kobe because the whole thing is, you know, he's retiring he had this you know the high this highest rated game i think in espn history was his last game last week and um i was at work and i was you know we have a group chat and people were talking about him someone was like oh why is he called the black mamba and people were like oh the black mama's fierce animal in nature blah 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 and i was like 
Yeah, and just like the Black Mamba, you can sexually assault someone and get away with it scot-free and have a great career and come out on top. Yep. And one of my coworkers was just like, was like, oh, God, what do we have to bring up? His sexual past, just get over it. It's not a big deal. Oh, I'm yeah. like, it is a fucking, it is a big yeah. deal. And why, <laughs> why, it's a disservice not to talk about it, you know? Yeah, uh, I, I'm sure the girl he raped is not like, oh, my God, I'm so over it. Like, what? It's so easy to say. But if if that happened to you and someone raped you and 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 had sex with you against your will, no matter no amount of years, it's gonna erase that. No matter how many like games he wins, I'm not gonna say like, oh my gosh, that guy who raped me. But you know, he's a really good basketball player, so I'm over it. Like that doesn't. It's just so crazy to me why people can't see like, yes, we can acknowledge Kobe's a good basketball player, but I can also say, hey, you know, he did this to this woman. It's not okay. Like, yeah, that's just so crazy. Like, oh, God forbid we should bring up that he did something terrible, but he did, you know, I allegedly. Think have a hard, I think people have a hard time. You want – it's naive to me. You think that your hero has to be perfect, and why can't you accept the fact that your hero, who's an amazing basketball player, is also has his dark side? And the fact that he has been, you know, you can say it's a symptom of how he's been, you know, from his early 20s, this, like, rock star who's gotten everything he wanted and won all the games and been entitled to everything and the millions of dollars, would that would somehow, you know, lead him over to this darker side of feeling, like, entitled to a woman's body. Um, mm -hmm. I don't think it's so far-fetched. I don't see why he can't be both. But we can't celebrate the good without, I think, recalling those darker moments, too, because it just sort of, like... It does that young woman a disservice. It, it reminds me of all the Bill Cosby stuff. People just want to throw it under the rug and say, oh, well, he's done so much good. Doesn't that just like make up for this little, you know, little in moment of indecency? I just think it's BS. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure Hitler did a lot of good, too, but, you know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. If, well, it's not, he's not like Hitler, I don't think. I, I know. I'm just saying that, like, it's Yikes. not like, because, you know, I'm just, I guess what I'm saying is. <laughs> yeah, what are you saying? <laughs> I, I know. No, I'm just saying that, like, it's no one is all good or all bad, you know, hardly. I mean, you definitely get some super evil people. But for the most part, we all have that, like, both of us. And, and it's okay to recognize, you know. This is kind of messed up. Like the whole African bambata, like stuff. Have you been? Have you heard of this? I heard it. Yeah. Af is this the guy who goes African bambata? Is that the guy? Is he like no. a singer? Okay, never mind. Maybe I just made yeah. it up. So he is that, like that might have a been a Shaggy song. I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> he is like an old school like legend in like hip hop like community, like you know, just like just very well respected and apparently. Uh, a, a young man came forward recently to say that African Babata sexually assaulted him years ago. And, of course, everyone was like, the lies you tell. And now three other young men have come forward. Because especially in the hip-hop brown community, you know, homosexuality is not something that's openly discussed. And then on top of that, you know, like, I don't know if it, I, I can't remember if the men were underage, but pedophilia possibly. Um, and so people are kind of like, because he was like Mr. Black and I'm proud and you made me feel like proud to be a part of this hip hop culture, to be black during a time when it was not easy to say that. And so people are very torn because he was like a hero in the community, basically. Right. Yeah. And oh, so. The mighty fall. Yeah, I exactly. Just, I just don't think, I'm not, I just don't think people are, I don't believe that everyone's perfect. Like. It doesn't surprise me. I feel like every famous... I'm just waiting. I'm just waiting. Okay, he's big now. He's famous. Great. Let's just see what he's done. What's what skeletons in the closet? 
It reminds me of that movie. Remember the, did you watch the movie about the Catholic priest in Boston? That was like a huge story in the early 2000s that just dozens and dozens of Catholic priests in Boston had been um, sexually molesting, uh, molesting young boys. And it went on to win the Pulitzer Prize. And anyway, it was a movie recently. Um, And I think it was the same thing, you know, not that Kobe or this, you know, hip hop star are like on the level of Catholic priests, but it's, it's, it's not out of the realm of possibility that these men, when you put men in places of power, that they'll take advantage of, you know, weak people. Yeah. Not just men, but just anyone in place of power taking advantage of vulnerable people, you know, but mostly men. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to make, I'm trying to make up for the Hitler comment. Okay. Well, it's mostly men in power. So you do the math. (laughs) Yeah, this is true. Oh, speaking of that, I was just, just a quick shout out. So, um, Actually, for the same story, so I the same story that our our guests on today's show that I interviewed for, I also talked with Stacy Phil Brown Philpot, whose name you may not know, but she was formerly the COO of TaskRabbit. You know, do you know TaskRabbit? Yeah, for sure. So she was a CEO and I COO, and I interviewed her for my story on black business leaders that are changing Silicon Valley because there's just so few of them. Um, and I just found out last week she got um, – it was announced that she was promoted to CEO, Chief Executive Officer of TaskRabbit, which was a That's huge awesome. win, which is which is awesome. And there's just so few – I mean, talk about how few black um, leaders there are in Silicon Valley, but then talk about black women leaders, and it's – the pool is even smaller. So just a quick shout-out to Stacy. Hey, Stacy, Congrats. That's awesome. Hi. A lot of the people I know – I know a lot of um... – like folks in my Dreamcatcher group, a lot of them use TaskRabbit. I think a lot of them have signed up to actually make extra money doing that. You know, one of the my favorite things that she told me in the interview um, for the story, uh, at one point in her career, she decided to move to India. She was working at Google way back when. And she decided to move to India at the time she was married to her husband. Um, and she left him behind. And she talked about how her, her entire family just could not understand. Why would you move to India to run Google's sales ops and leave your husband behind? And she talked about how it's she, you shouldn't be afraid to ask for what you need, both at home and at work. And she talked about how for her and her husband, it was a personal decision, and they decided they were going to make it work together. And she felt empowered to make this career move. I mean, obviously, it worked out for her career-wise. Um, to make that, you know, risky career move that wouldn't have been as popular, you know, a couple decades ago. Um, so I, I like that. I like what she had to say about that. I like that, too. That's dope. Not that I'm moving to India anytime soon. Yeah, I'm not. But, you know. And did you see the what do you did you see the BuzzFeed video? Uh, I honestly I have to. It's like watching Rosewood. You know, or like 12 Years a Slave. I always tell myself, because I've heard so much buzz about it. I was like, yeah, I don't know if I'm ready for those emotions. You didn't watch it? Um, oh, you gotta no, watch it. I know. But I just, I've been feeling really happy lately. <laughs> so, and, every, <laughs> and everyone, it's like every time somebody posts it, it's clear that they're like pissed off about it. So I'm like, yeah, I just, I just gotta wait until I'm not feeling extra happy. And yeah. I'm really, I'm, <laughs> yeah. So like, tell me about it. Like, you know, so. Well, I'm gonna tell you about it. Yeah, Basically, <laughs> well, BuzzFeed's done this before. I think they had a video where it was like questions white people have for white people. And it was like, why are you so racist? Why do you know that kind of stuff? Um, and they did the same thing for it was like questions black people have for black people. And they had I mean, I watch a lot of um, BuzzFeed videos, so I recognize a lot of their black talent. And they had a bunch of their, you know, um, 
uh, pretty much like, look, they pulled out every single black reporter and p- producer on their staff and just had them ask questions. They're just dying to know about black people. And it was, but the questions were fucking asinine. It was like, why do we like watermelon so much? Where did that come from? Why can't oh we be on time? It was like uh, every stereotype you've ever had or seen promoted in the media. It was these, bl- and it was what was made it painful for people was that it was black people asking yes. questions. You're like, why did you let them? Why? One of the questions was like, "Am I on fleek?" It was like my grandma wrote these questions. <laughs> you know, like, oh God. I don't know. God rest her soul. I love you, Nana. But like, <laughs> what was BuzzFeed thinking? And and I think they rightfully got dragged. I, I mean, the video's still up there. I mean, I'm I'm sure that they knew it was going to be controversial when they put it out. I'm sure they got record page views. Good for you. Happy for you, and your yeah. millions of millions of clicks. But it didn't do any favors to um, people, black people in general, and and the the stereotypes that are out there at all. Yeah, so. I wonder if there's anybody in the office who's like, yeah, I'm not going to do that. I, you know, my friend, I should have asked my friend Kevin. So my friend Kevin, hey, Kevin, Kevin Smith, he's a senior editor at BuzzFeed, and he's been in a couple of their videos, but he was not in this video. And I should ask him because he's a – I should ask him why he wasn't in it. But I I can't imagine I would have raised my hand for that video. I'd have been like, what? But why? But what do you want me to ask? I wonder if those were actually questions they had, you know. Yeah. At any rate, tis what tis. And I will say on the on the whole, I mean, BuzzFeed has the fact that they even had like, I mean, it looked like they had 10, you know, five to 10 reporters who are of color on the video. That's pretty rare in newsrooms. So the fact that they even have a, a that many black people working for them is something to that. It tells me that that should never have happened. Yeah, basically, you're right. Because, yeah, you're right. Because one, it's like, oh, wow, you guys have like a, a nice little mix of people. Then it's like, wait, nobody said, hey, not the best idea. No, that got greenlit. I don't know why. Anyway, I think that's all for Buzzworthy. We could talk about the Nina Simone movie. You know, I realize we haven't talked about that yet. Yeah, we'll save it for next week. (laughs) (laughs) You just like, I'm ruining your happy mood. You're supposed to be in charge of happy topics. Do you have any? That was yeah, you're right. I am the ball. supposed to be, and I'm just like I just been enjoying the weather, so I'm just like la la la, and I'm like, oh Nina Simone, oh that's not a happy topic. So let's <laughs> let's say let's say that Zoe Saladana or whatever the heck your last name is. We're gonna Zoe? say you Zoe 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 whatever, close enough. Um, Sally's. And um, we're going to save you that dragging for next week when I'm in the dragging mood. But okay. so. <laughs> Let's move on to brown breaks. What's my brown break going to be or my brown boost? Do you want to go first? I don't really have one, I don't think. Hmm. My brown break and boost. Your positivity. I know. And it it can't be your workout routine or taking a break from work because that's been your brown boost for like five weeks. (laughs) Has it been? Okay, so. I'm the brown boost police. (laughs) All right, so my brown. You know, I'm actually going to take a brown break from I don't know I feel like so I just got like a pedicure and a manicure and you would think that like I moved I like you know cured cancer why is it such a big deal that I have to get a pedicure and manicure I mean like I mean it's not to say I'm like ungroomed I just usually just cut my nails down and then that's it but like I don't know it's that's such a big deal like why is that 
like boyfriends I've had in the past are like, you don't get regular pedicures and manicures. I'm like, I wash my feet, I cut my nails. Like boyfriends have said that. Yeah, like you don't get pet. Like, like I don't know. I, I've like had boyfriends be like, like Tiffany, I never see you go get a pedicure or manicure. I'm like, yeah, but my my feet are fine. Like you know, I don't. I've only I only will do it if, if I'm going away on like a vacation or if I'm going to be in somebody's wedding. And I'm like, well, let me get fancy for it. But on a regular, you know, I'm just like I just scrub down my feet and my hands and I, I trim my nails. I just don't see like why, like why is that like a rite of passion? I guess it's like, you know, is it the same thing like pack underwear? Like it's time for me to like, you know, <laughs> move on to like, but I just don't understand. Like I'm like, and it's so crazy because I'm like, when did all my friends start getting regular pedicure manicures? Even my friends who are not like fancy girls or whatever. It's just like, girl, I always get my petty and manny, even if it's not like, you know, they get tips or whatever. And I'm like, really? When did I? No one. I didn't get that memo. No one told me to the side in gym class. I think it's a personal thing. I think so. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Um, I think it's a personal thing where actually what's funny is I also got a mani-pedi yesterday. Okay. Um, But just because I knew the weather was going to be nice and I just wanted to treat myself. I was supposed to go to the dentist, but I woke up and I was like, I'm going to cancel that appointment and go get a (laughs) mani-pedi instead. Toothache be damned. And my tooth still hurts. And my feet look great. <laughs> so judge me as you want. But you know what? I think I've talked about that before is during the recession, the number of women who spend money on manis and petties like skyrocketed. And it's, and it's because it's sort of a small treat you can give yourself. It doesn't cost the world. I mean, hopefully. Yeah. I mean, for me, it was like 30 bucks and I had two hours of relaxing time at the nail salon. And it, it's just a little treat for yourself. I don't think it's mandatory, but I think women do it because it makes them feel nice. No, but I've actually had people like shake my hand, like grown women who are kind of like kind of know. They're like, "Oh, girl, you don't get manicures." I'm like, "Jeez, (laughs) do they look judgy?" I know, very judgy, and that's why I guess that's like kind of like my. I don't mind a pedicure manicure, but I know some people are like, "Oh my gosh, they like live by." Because I I get my eyebrows done, and where I get them done is a petty mani spot, and so I see women in there. You know, they go regularly, and I'm just like, I don't know. Like when I get them done, it's it's cool, but it's not like, oh my gosh. This is my peaceful time. This is my, like, you know, woosah. I don't know. It's just kind of like, all right, they're done. Like, I like taking walks. That's my woosah. So, yeah, so I'm just taking a brown break from the judgment of I don't get regular manis and petties. I'm sure if you see me in these streets, you're going to be looking at my toes and my hands. And I don't care. Okay. (laughs) Well, I guess my it's kind of a brown boost. I just want to give a hey for – it took me a long time to, to master to figure out how to use credit cards. No one ever taught me this. Um, and I I fell into the same pitfalls after college, and I think a lot of people do, where I was earning, like, no money when I, you know, I lost my job in New York, and then I was, for a whole summer, just out of work, and I finally got a job that paid me, like, practically nothing. And I was starting to lean on my credit card. And the limit, thank God, it was really, it was low. It was something like $2,000. But I would constantly, like, have $1,990 on the card and then I would buy lunch and then I would pay it down and I'd buy lunch like it was maxed out all the time and then I would get interest fees and it took me I don't know like up until three or four years ago to finally understand how to use credit cards so I'm really proud of where my credit score is now I've 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 mastered the art of giving yourself a budget for your credit card that is actually what you can afford to pay off every month because okay. I've had friends who've like one of my friends told me, "Hey Mandy, I would be so happy I got a new credit card and I already, you know, almost maxed it out. Isn't that great?" I'm like, "No, why do you think that's great?" He's like, "Oh, well, I heard that if you, you know, you carry a balance every month and that looks great, better to credit credit uh, agencies." And 
I was like, no, no, honey, boo-boo child, no. Like, <laughs> you put money on it and you pay it off immediately every month. You don't get charged interest fees. I like to say that, like, every card is 0% interest if you pay it off every month. Like, they won't charge you fees. That's how it works. Um, but doing this for, like, the last three years, just putting a little bit of money on there. I, I put, like, my cable bill. I put my uh, my cell phone when I used to pay for that. I put it on my phone and I just paid off every month and it and I figured out exactly what I can afford to pay and it's working out great. My credit scores um, in the high 700s, almost 800. And I what I'll say about having a high credit score is it doesn't really matter like in terms of day to day stuff. Like I don't need to have a super high credit score. It really only matters when you're looking for credit or you want to take advantage of the perks of credit. And last week I had to put my deposit down on our wedding venue. Mm-hmm. And this is like, I mean, I'm putting down like thousands of dollars at one time. And I was like, okay, they're going to charge me a processing fee for using a credit card. So let me try and find like the sweetest, sickest rewards credit card on the market. And I don't really, mm. I don't, I don't condone signing up for all these credit cards that have bonus offers. You know how they are? Like, oh, if you just spend $5,000 in three months and we'll give you 50,000 miles. Like, I don't think it's right because you get caught in that trap. You know, are you really going to spend $5,000 in the next three months? Like, I probably don't spend that much on an average basis. So you end up spending money just to get money, which doesn't always add up. But for this purchase, I knew with my deposit I was going to qualify for rewards on the um, this one credit card. It's called the Chase Sapphire Preferred. It has awesome rewards benefits. And I was like, let me get this card and put this deposit down. And I, you know, was approved for the card and I put the deposit down and I immediately paid it off with my wedding savings. And I got like 50,000 miles, which I can use on my honeymoon. It's like over $600 in travel rewards that I'll get to use toward airfare or my hotel for the honeymoon. And I feel like, I feel like this is something I couldn't have done like three or four years ago when I was, had terrible credit and I hadn't figured out how credit worked at all. So, um, yeah, super smart. Yeah, I just, it was a proud moment, and I paid it off, and I feel like I feel like I'm like, yeah, screw you, credit companies. Like, I'm not going to pay interest, and I'm taking my bonus points. Um, so thank you very much. Thank you, Chase. No. I appreciate it. On today's show, I'm really excited about today's guest. I've been wanting to talk to this person for months and months and months, ever since I interviewed her for a story on Yahoo back in February. But she was like, I'm taking a little bit of a media break. Can you talk to me in April? And so I put a calendar reminder for myself to email her, and I'm really excited to have her on the show. Um, It's Morgan Debon, who you may not know, but you may know her company. It's called Blavity.com. And I mean, I'm obsessed with Blavity. I go to it every day. It's it's one of the only black media sites. Well, it's one of the newer black media sites that I follow. And I think it does a really like a fresh look at, um, you know, what's what people are talking about and what is buzzing and what's viral in the black uh, millennial space. So we're joined today by Morgan Debon. Just a little bit about her. I know. Exciting, right? So she's at the tender age of 26. Um, She launched Blavity in 2004 with the co-founder Aaron Samuels. Um, After realizing, after she was, she she talks a little bit about this later in the show, um, how black people at her university in St. Louis congregated together no matter where they were. Cafeteria, the classroom, we all kind of came together. 
Um, two years later, she, after bootstrapping the company themselves, Blavity is one of the, you know, a fast-growing media company, and Morgan's joining us today to talk about how she launched Blavity, how she's raising capital in a man's world in Silicon Valley, and about a really exciting venture she's launching in May called Empower Her and the Empower Her Conference. So without further ado, we present Morgan. Morgan, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. Yes, more. We have to come up with a new fave, new fave, like like a um a button we can press, Mandy, like a big like a foghorn or something or a yes. gong, <laughs> <laughs> something that says like new fave, so that way people you know are well aware it's a new fave. Well, th- you know, one of the first things I do before we even do the podcast is I check Blavity. I'm like, what's happening in the world? Let me go check Blavity real quick. <laughs> So tell I know me. our writers are so quickly, so fast that I'm always like, wait, did that happen? Did we cover that yet? Oh, yeah, it's, it's been done. So tell me, tell me about Blavity. When did it start? How did you start Blavity? Where did the concept come from? Yeah, so, um, you know, I'd say Blavity started like, I don't know, seven years ago in my brain. Um, I went to Washington University in St. Louis for college and um, had an amazing experience there with my co-founders, Jonathan, Jeff, and Aaron. We all went to school together. And, um, you know, I tell this story a lot, but it, it's just so true. Like, we had this moment every day at the black table. <laughs> was in the cafeteria. Exactly. Um, and I think a lot of people have similar experiences, regardless of whether you're black or not. I mean, you know, they, Korean students sat together, Hispanic students sat together. It's just kind of what you do, right? Um, and... But that moment of like, you know, I was the only black person in like an econ class or whatever. And then you go to the lunch table and you're like, hey, guys, how's your day going? You know, and it's a mix of people from different classes. You know, we're talking about what the alphas did last night at the step show. You're talking about, you know, that racist thing that somebody said in class. And it's just a great kind of like opportunity to get outside yourself and to embrace the diversity of what at that time was college. Um, You know, you have people coming from different parts of the world and the country, people who grew up in all black communities or people who are just now discovering their blackness and and stepping into that. And those emotions that you go through, um, you know, those are the emotions and the, the process that we are developing and designing online with Blavity, right? So people use Blavity in very different ways. You know, you ask somebody who follows us on Instagram, you know, what do you like about Blavity? They're going to give you a totally different answer than somebody who live tweets with us when we watch Scandal, right? And that's okay. Like, that's how the company is designed. It's designed for black millennials in the world and figuring out how we can build shared experiences and build connections with each other. You know, we're starting with content, which is the, the version of the company that you all see, and, um, you know, very quickly moving to, into other spaces as well to try to figure out what, what our groove is um, in this market. So, so you're juggling. Man is the interviewer, but I'm like, I got questions. <laughs> Mine is not as serious. I just want to know, like, such a cool name, Blavity. Like, where did that come from? Yes, Blavity means black gravity. It's the term that we used at the black table. So it was like, you know, one person sat down, then like three people would sit down. Then all of a sudden you've got like 25 people on a table that only fits like 15. And you're like, where did you guys come from? Like, didn't you have class on the other side of campus? Like, how did you get over here so quickly? 
So it's kind of like the bat signal, but the black signal. So I just, love that. Black gravity. I like that. It's nice to have a name for it. I never, because I feel like it happens everywhere you go, but it's nice to have like a term for it. I never heard that before, before blavity. Yep. Now you can be able to, you can say blavity's happening. <laughs> now let's talk about it. I mean, you, I was just reading, there was an article in Chicago Tribune last week, um, you know, about black business owners and especially black startup owners and how they can sometimes be afraid to um, market themselves, like put their face on the company's website to say this product is made with the intention of serving the black community because they're afraid that as soon as customers and potential investors see that it's owned by, you know, owned by and for um, black people that they won't want to take part, contribute, invest is that something mm-hmm. that you've confronted or, or, or thought about as you're, you know, moving forward with Blavity? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's a reality of the world that we live in um, that every business owner should be at least acknowledging. You know, that doesn't mean you have to consider it and how you move in the business world, but you should at least acknowledge that it's a reality. Um, and for me, I mean, white people love Blavity. Like, they love it. And they should because it's an authentic point of view that is unapologetic and consistent. And, um, you know, we tell it like it is. And I think a lot of the voices that are able to use the platform appreciate that it's a space designed for black people specifically. Um, And so there is no sense of explaining, you know, we can use GIFs and, you know, all everything that you guys know of without having to worry about, oh, how, how are white people going to like mm-hmm. digest this information on Blavity? We don't care. We're not thinking about it. Oh, I love that. Is the money following? What's the reception you've gotten from investors? Are you actively raising capital? And can you talk about that process? Because that's sort of the ugly side of, you know, launching a startup. It's so competitive, you know, when you're reaching for those investment mm-hmm. dollars. It is incredibly competitive, particularly in the media market. Um, and yeah, I mean, who isn't always raising? I mean, as a startup founder, you always have to be raising. Um, and it's, a, I mean, it's a challenge, you know, I've been raising quote unquote for since the company launched in a lot of ways, you know, we don't actively have a note that we're trying to fill. We've already raised, uh, a round of funding, but you're always in discussions with people trying to get a sense of the industry, what the financing market looks like, what kind of partners do we need to bring on? so that Blavity can get to the next level and scale quickly. Um, and as it con- relates to the fact that the majority of investors don't look like me, you know, I think what I try to do in a lot of my meetings is help them realize how much they have personally been affected by black influences, right? So I ask them about, oh, are you, are you big on Twitter? You know, I ask them about, um, are you, what are you listening to right now, right? What did you watch on TV last night? Right. And I try to help them see how the market is actually incredibly large because the influence of people of color and of the diaspora specifically is huge. Yeah. But it takes a little bit. You know, not everybody gets it right off the bat. What what's your proudest moment as it relates to Blavity? Like, you know, your proudest like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe we're here moment. <laughs> well, right now I'm sitting in our new office and this is pretty weird. <laughs> That's it's, awesome. It's very cool. Um, it's kind of, it's in like construction mode, so it's kind of a disaster, but I'm just so proud that we've been able to get to this place from a financial perspective that 
it makes sense and it's good for the business for us to actually have a physical location. You know, for a while I thought we were going to be a remote company because of the speed of media and because of, you know, you don't necessarily need to be face to face for everything. Um, particularly when you're thinking about engineers, you know, a lot can be done actually when you've got engineers on different production cycles and sprints and, um, same thing with media, right? Having somebody on the East Coast is actually really important for a news cycle and or having someone in London. So it's uh, it's been an interesting transition to be like, yes, we have a physical location and um, you know, you can come you can come find me on any given day. So where are you yeah, guys based? You're in California, our, right? Yeah, our first office is actually in LA. Um, even though I started the company in San Francisco. Okay. Congratulations. Yeah, that's awesome. That is like a very big, like, you know, it's like when you hire your first employee, you're like, I can't believe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now, when it's we weird. last, when we last talked, you had, I, I got the impression that you were doing this kind of like in the wee hours of the morning after work and you were juggling a full-time job. Is that still the case? What's your, what's your schedule like these days? Are you able to yeah, work on Blavity full-time? Yeah, I quit a long time ago. Oh. Uh, I still work wee hours in the morning and at night and on weekends, but that's just what we do, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, I quit. I can't even remember, like October of not this year, but the prior year. So, um, yeah, no more salaries. What was it like to quit your job? When did you get to the point where you, you knew it was time? Yeah, it's a question I get frequently, and there's really just no good answer. Like, at the end of the day, I was working on Blavity so much that um, it was emotionally and mentally too tiring to switch back and forth. And I was already doing my bare, not necessarily my bare minimum, but I wasn't focused on my day job. And um, I think that's okay to some extent, but if I had taken it any longer, it would have just been like morally not okay with me personally. <laughs> um, like, you know, I didn't go out to happy hour when like, let's go get a beer. I'm like, nah, like I'm good. Like I'm going to go. Right. Um, and after a point, like I would have, I rather, even those like six hours that those solid six hours that I was working at my day job, it was just too much. It was six hours that I needed and wanted to be doing something else. Yeah. That's awesome. I just remember those days. So I have a question because I was talking to my entrepreneur friends and I, I, most of my really close friends own their own businesses. And now we're at, I call it beginning mid-level. So, you know, the beginning level when you're like, girl, you got a hundred dollars. Look at you, you know? <laughs> and, and then you kind of pass the like, oh my gosh, we don't have, you know, I'm lucky to have enough money to pay my bills. And then you enter into mid-level where the money's pretty consistent. You know, you're not worried about bills, but now you're just trying to like, strive to like build just like that next level company. So most of us are in that beginning mid-level. So mm -hmm. I was talking to my friend this morning and I, we were talking about the good, the bad, the ugly, and that most entrepreneurs, not most, but many will only share like the good. And so I would like to ask you that, like, you know, just because I know a lot of our listeners are curious about entrepreneurship or want to become entrepreneurs. Can you tell us like, you know, one really good thing, one bad thing and one ugly thing about like doing what you do? Um, you got to spend money to make money. That's the first thing. It's like okay. I'm incredibly cheap and frugal. Like you can ask anybody on my team or my boyfriend or my parents or anyone. And I'm like, oh, I don't really know if it's necessary for us to turn that light on right now. <laughs> but we could perhaps use this window. Um, That's the good or the bad? That's the bad thing? 
I think it's bad in a lot of ways, at least for okay. the company that, that I'm building. Like, I think it's, it was great in the beginning because we were bootstrapping and so every penny mattered. Um, but now that we have a little bit of capital, like you're racing against the clock in a lot of ways, particularly when it comes to um, a media company where scale is key, right? Uh, so you have to spend money to make money. Does it make more sense to spend $5,000 in Facebook ads today as opposed to spending $1,000 a month for five months? Okay. Right? Because you're going to get the same results, the same conversion rate. So what's the benefit of having, you know, 10,000 to 25,000 more likes now than it would be to have, you know, two to 3,000 more likes per month over five months? Um, those are the equations and the things that we're thinking about right now. And it's been a, it's been a mental shift for me to say, like, actually, it makes more sense for us to spend that $5,000 all at once right now mm -hmm. than it does for us to spread it out over time. Because now, it, you know, the bigger we are today, the more that I can sell, the more that I can connect with people, the more that we can get them into the Blavity family um, as opposed to waiting. So to that's work. the bad. So what's the good and what's the ugly? Um, I mean, the good is like, you get to wake up every day and do what you want. You know, I mean, there's obviously pressures involved, but I'm feel completely blessed and honored. And I pinch myself frequently that like, I can wake up and say, you know, today I'm going to send out an Instagram question about Simi the dopest like web series creators in Brooklyn, you know, and find like 13 people I've never even heard of before. And then like talk to them and potentially help them use the Blavity audience to accomplish their goals. Like, that's amazing. And the ugly? With that, specifically, or in general? No, in general, the ugly, as it relates to your uh, business. I mean, the ugly is like, I'm I'm 10 pounds overweight right now, you know? <laughs> I'm, I'm not cute. <laughs> I'm five feet, for people that don't know, I'm incredibly petite and curvy, and so 10 pounds, like, matters is it like yeah. a happy weight is it because the business is going I mean, good it looks cute <laughs> like it's okay but I prefer not to be overweight um and the ugly is that you know I'm working hard and everybody mm -hmm. is working hard and um it's not easy to always take care of yourself first you know you want to put the business first you want to put your teammates first you want to put your investors first you want to put your users you know absolutely first right so um, to make the decision at times to like go on that extra walk instead of just having it delivered to you, the food, whatever, like is not easy. Uh, it's something that I'm currently trying to work on. But for the first year, like I don't think that I could have been as productive if I was like, I'm going to work out for an hour every day. Like, no, <laughs> like I need to, to email people, you know, um, but you know, there's unintended consequences of those decisions. What is your schedule like? Walk us through a normal day. Um, depends on what coast I'm on. If I'm on the West Coast, I wake up feeling behind a little bit because everything's already happened. So I usually wake up around 6, 5.30 just to check to see what's viral on the site, if anything. If there's nothing viral, then I usually send off a few Slack messages to our team like, or check to see what's going on um, with our news team. Like, what are you guys writing? What are the headlines? This doesn't make any sense. Um, if everything's good and we're viral, I go back to sleep for an hour and a half. Um, and then I start, I just start knocking out emails. Um, depending on the day, I usually block off 
like big blocks of time for projects. So for example, Mondays are my one-on-ones. I have one-on-ones with everybody on our leadership team um, and my direct reports. And then, you know, Tuesdays are engineering. So I spend the morning thinking about features and writing up um, user stories and designs, things like that. So it depends on the day, but I try to do a block of emails and then a block of project. And then usually it's the rest is just meetings. Do you have an unplug time? You know, I talked with Ariana Huffington. She's all about the sleep and the unplugging. But when you work for a, a digital media company, like when do you have time to unplug? Yeah, I unplug on Saturdays. Um, <laughs> our traffic also shows that we unplug on Saturdays at this company. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Saturdays are usually my like, let's go for brunch day. You know, let's go frolic in the sand at the beach, right? Um, and then at night I tend to unplug, you know, after like eight thirty, nine, Um, and that's just kind of like personal me time. You know, I still might wind up doing, catching up on some work, but it's usually nothing that's related to anybody else. It's usually just something I want to think through, um, or work on. Wow. You're like speaking to my life right now. I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> like, <laughs> do you have like a, I, so my best friend is, has a, a public relations company and we started at the same time and she's like my talk me off the ledge partner. Yeah. You know, when you're just like, I'm done with this, I'm, I'm leaving, I'm running away. No one will find me. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so when I'm like, I need literally when your toes are at the edge of the ledge and you're ready to jump. So she's like the person that I call because she's an entrepreneur as well. So I'm like, I need you to talk me off the ledge. And she was slowly talk me to backing up and realizing how much I love what I do. But do you have like your talk you off the ledge partner? Yeah, I mean, I have, you know, three co-founders. So that, that helps because when I'm not feeling it, I'm like, everybody, y'all are all crazy. I'm good. You know, um, I'll call up Jeff. Usually Jeff is our CTO. Um, and I know Jeff the longest, like barely the longest by a few months, but um and I'll be like, Jeff, help me think through why this is bothering me. Because usually there's a reason why something is, gets me to the point where I'm on the ledge, right? Like there's something mentally that I can't work through or I'm upset about something that I don't know why that requires me to reach that level. Um, and he, he's just really great at asking questions. He's kind of like a therapist. Um, and we usually get to it after like a, a day or so or, you know, an hour of conversation. So He's, he's one when it comes to like business things. And then, you know, my girlfriends from college I'm very close with. And so I'll email one of them or text them with like a group text and I'll be like, Hey, so this is not going well and I don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. Um, and usually they'll remind me of like random things happening. Send me a meme or a GIF or something. I think it's great for any entrepreneur to like one, have people that understand the process that you're going through from a business perspective, because um, that's really helpful. And then two, to also have people who have like no idea what's going on. You know, one of my friends is in med school, so it's great talking to her because her reality is just so different than mine and um, her challenges are just very different than mine. And so we can unplug mentally by involving ourselves in each other's worlds. Now you that's awesome advice. One of the things that I thought was really funny that you mentioned is that when you were, and I did the same thing actually when I was in school, when I was younger, is you started your own little Kool-Aid selling business, like on the side in the lunchroom. Is that oh, right? Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> so talk about, like, where did you get the, you say you have an entrepreneurial spirit, but who's been your biggest 
influence in that in that way? Because not all of us grow up saying, I'm going to launch a company. <laughs> um, you know, I have to credit my parents. And I don't even know if they, like, knew that they created, like, me this way. <laughs> but they did. Like, my dad and my, my mom and dad have been together um, since they were, they've known each other since high school, been together since college. And they are just awesome people. Uh, my dad's a doctor and a researcher, so he's always writing grants, um, which is like such a hustler mentality, right? Like you don't just, you get to use the money to fund your research, but you have to, you know, justify it and have a budget and write these intense documents with scientific backing. Um, my mother is was a stay-at-home mom and she was all about creativity and teaching me to be my own person. And, you know, so I was always in art classes and, um, you know, I did taekwondo, I did field hockey. I, I was, you know, your typical middle income black girl, right? Just like thriving, but also had a lot of issues as well socially. And um, do people yeah, know I, what that is? Because I feel like you don't see the typical middle income black girl so much. Do you, I, I feel that way in media. You really don't like. Especially Do they not like, know what that means? I don't know. It means like you, you're kind of spoiled, but not like not too spoiled. Because my no, parents, I know what it means. I just don't feel it? like it's like represented so much in media as much as okay. it probably should be. Where it's like that's the normal, but for people who you know don't see that in everyday life, it's like what? It's like girlfriends. It's like the TV show Girlfriends. You know, like we need more. Of if those. I was a more dramatized version of myself and lived in New York, like I'd probably be like the Girlfriend show. <laughs> Do you watch Blackish? How do you feel about it? What's your favorite show on, on TV right now? Um, I don't watch Blackish, which I know is an unpopular black opinion, but I don't. <laughs> and um, neither do I. For I a reason or just because you, you don't have time? or I'm just not feeling it. No, I watch TV. I watch a lot of TV. Um, okay. I'm not feeling it. Like, it's just not, I don't think I'm the target demographic. Like, I don't have kids, so I don't need, like, a family-friendly show. And I don't really find them all funny. Like, I love them all as, as individual actors and actresses, and I support their careers, but the show just doesn't really appeal to me. Um, what shows do I like? I mean, I'm a huge Netflix person, so, you know, I don't know. What do you guys think? Do you guys consider Netflix, like, real TV, or do you consider it in this, like, hybrid world at this point? I I think that, honestly, I don't really watch TV much. And so I'm really like a YouTube, like Netflix, stream online type of girl, you know? I'm not I'm, I'm not loyal to like, ooh, every night on Wednesday. I feel like, I mean, my boyfriend does that, but I feel like it's so old school. You're like, I've got to sit down on Thursdays at, but I don't know what I'm going to be doing on Thursdays. So I need to be able to watch when I want to watch, you know? Right. Yeah. I'm the same way. I don't have a television. I haven't had a television in years. Um well, yeah, since, really... since you admitted you don't like Blackish, I'll admit that I'm done with Scandal. I'm done. Oh, I've, I've been <laughs> done. done with Scandal. Have you? After season, okay. I checked out after season two. I was like, I can't. I just, I need, I need to get my life back. It's okay. <laughs> I watch it in solidarity. I don't watch it in real time, um, but I'll watch it like passively. It's one of those things. There's a lot of shows that I'll watch passively where I'm like, I'm going to work on this PowerPoint deck and like play, can't watch Scandal, play Scandal in the background, okay. you know? I mean, even though you may not like all these, you know, we all have our own individual tastes. You guys have a really good, I mean, that Blavity, I feel like whenever you go, it's a pretty good mix of uh, pop culture with more newsier, newsier things. What sort of like balance do you try to strike with your content and, and what have been some stories that have done the 
you know, done amazingly well for you with your audience? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. It's the ebbs and flows based off of what's happening in the world. So like, you know, last fall, we spent a lot of time thinking about Ferguson and Black Lives Matter and um, how do we elevate voices of activists, local activists that are doing the work and maybe haven't reached the media level that they deserve, right? So we spent a lot of time doing doing work with, with that. And even remember the college students at Mizzou and Yale and um, UC Berkeley. And so we spent a lot of time reaching out to those students and saying, hey, you know, if you have a point of view and you want to share it, feel free to use Blavity. We'll help you write it, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so those stories did really well. And then when Beyonce and Kendrick went ham during Black History Month, you know, that <laughs> went really well. Um, so it really, I mean, the, the beauty of Blavity is that it's not necessarily about having a strict editorial like content theme per month or per week or per day. It's really a reflection of whatever is going on. And that's why we stay relevant because we have so much user generated content. So when something is happening, it's going to be elevated on the website and on the platform. And we'll continue to do that um, because that's the only way I think a media company can work at this point. It can't be a tops down approach. It has to be okay, something's happening in Detroit. Let's not just send like investigative, not investigative, investigatory um, reporters to Detroit. No, why don't we talk to the person who's been there forever, put a camera in their hands and ask them what they think and ask them to submit something. Um, so yeah, that's, that's the way I approach it. Um, and those are the stories that do well. Now empower her. I'm really excited about this. So this is a conference you're launching, um, or you've, it's, has it been around for, is it, is it first year this year or has it been around for a while? First year this year. First year. Really exciting. So talk about empower her and how people can get involved with that. Yeah. So this is like my baby right now. So empower her is our first Blavity conference and it's a conference for black millennial women. Um, targeted mostly at women who are in the creative or technology industry. So folks who are influencers on YouTube, um, working on getting their startup off the ground, starting their own businesses, or thinking about making a career switch where they've maybe worked in the, a mid, um, they're like mid-level at a corporate company, you know, they work for Bain or Deloitte or whatever, and they want to get into a different industry. And Empower Her is all about helping these women and us realize our potential and get to the next step. So it's about networking, it's about inspiration, um, and it's about coming away with like really tangible tips and tools on how to get to the next step. And that has to do with visioning exercises, um, hearing people's stories about how they have started their business and gotten to the next step. So we've brought an amazing group of women together um, Lovey, Meta, Hey Fran Hey, Avita from the Madness Tribe, Kalichi from um, Zuva, amazing e-commerce website, Lenore Champagne, who is a venture capitalist at 645 Ventures, and just wrote a book. I mean, we just have some amazing lineup, like the list goes on, of women who are speaking um, and sharing their stories. So that's a little bit about the conference. Um, it's in New York. It's May 21st. Um, people were a little sticker shocked at the price, but people have to realize it's in New York. And think about the women I just named. We got to get them there, right? 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and what are what are the, how do you get involved? Do you have to have a business to 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 come and participate? No, you just there's there's no requirements beyond you have to just buy a ticket. Um, so it's all day. We feed you breakfast and lunch, and we have a little happy hour at night. And you just sign up on Eventbrite. It's on our website and the homepage, and it's all over our social media. Gotcha. And it's empower. Fi- Go ahead. What's the What's the website where they can find out more? And I'll include a link too in the in the blog. Yeah, it's empowerher.blavity.com. Perfect. So we have some of my faves on faves. Like I I talked to Avita <laughs> and Lovey and just like bouncing stuff off of them. There's there's some of my like just entrepreneur friends. Who I'm like, girl. Huh? So they're amazing. Our yeah. Lauren, Lauren Ash from Black Girl Own. That's like one of my favorite Instagram accounts right now. Um, just so many awesome. Gabby Fresh. I mean, she's like blown up in the last two years. She's got her swimsuit line, swimwear line. It's amazing. So, I mean, I'm looking forward to it. Like, I was like, if I didn't, I, what kind of event can we plan that if I wasn't planning it, I would still go? <laughs> Like, that's what we always try to think of. It's like, if you weren't the one doing this, would you still read this article? Or would you still go to this event? Why do you think now is the time for an event like this? I mean, it's an obvious reason why you want to, you know, target an event toward black millennial women. But what are what are some of the, like, why now? Why this year? Um, you know, I think that's a good question. I guess a little bit to share about my personal journey. Like, I was, I don't know, never really like encouraged to be as ambitious as I've been and that I am, you know, there's always a reason why it didn't make sense for me to, to do something, whether that was to go to Wash U or to, uh, I ran for student body president as a sophomore, my sophomore year in college, or to start Blavity without an MBA or without having raised capital before or ever, you know, working at a startup before. Um, there's always a reason why you shouldn't do something. And I think for black women, that list is always very long, given the statistics. And I wanted to create a space selfishly for myself to be affirmed by like awesome women who are doing these things and where it's normalized, where it's not an anomaly and you're surrounded by excellence and you're surrounded by women who are energized by the possibilities of stuff instead of the constant negativity and the constant reminder of why we aren't supposed to be as successful as we are. So in spite of all these things, we're amazing. We're the fastest growing population of women, of entrepreneurs, as black women. We are the mo- some of the most educated people in this country, huge influence in terms of change and politics and education reform. I mean, I literally I could keep going. And so to me, it's a space that like needed to be created. Um, and I didn't see it anywhere else, uh, particularly for women our age. You know, I think Essence does an amazing job with Essence Music Festival. I went last year. We're going again this year with Bl- Blavity House. Um, but we wanted to do a more professional take on how can we bring people together and inspire these moments of like self-fulfillment in a lot of ways. Sounds like brown ambition to me. Yes, it sure does. (laughs) Well, I'm so excited for you and for the conference, and I wish you guys continued success. I'll continue to be a fan and um, tell the Brown Ambition fam where they can find you outside of Blavity or social media and all that kind of stuff. 
Yeah, absolutely. My social media is super simple. It's just Morgan Devon everywhere on the internet. So Facebook, well, actually don't Facebook friend me. That's weird. Um, <laughs> Twitter, Instagram, and then email, you know, same old stuff, just Morgan at Blavity.com. We'll get, get you in my inbox. So yeah, reach out anytime. Um, happy to chat. All right, guys, another awesome show, another awesome guest. Um, I'm so glad you guys were here. I know we have a bunch of new listeners. Um, Dreamcatchers, we welcome you. If you'd like to connect with us outside of the podcast, you can tweet us at the BA Podcast um, at, on Twitter. And we're also on Facebook, Brown Ambition. And our email is, if you have any questions, you can definitely send them over. You want to send some praise, some high fives, some we love you, Mandy and Tiffany emails. You can certainly send them at brownambitionpodcast at <laughs> yeah. gmail.com. I'm going to remember that one day. I'm going to remember that. One day. <laughs> um, no, we're really excited to have you guys on. And as we say every week, please leave us a review on iTunes. Um, it helps people find us. It, re- it raises us in the ranks on iTunes. And we are just a little podcast that could totally grassroots um and we could use all the support we can get so please leave a review just take two seconds on itunes uh, you will be your we'll, we'll just love you to death we'll give you a shout yeah. out we will all right mandy all right tiffany <laughs> it's been real <laughs> it's been real real have a lovely week go out and enjoy this weather The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.